The other day I had a thought, and my thought had to do with whether or not Gresham's Law is applicable outside of the financial sector. So if you're not familiar with Gresham's Law, Gresham's Law simply stated is that when fake money enters the system, good money goes into hiding. Now that's not actually Gresham's Law, there's a missing component there, and that's important, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's the simple stated version. And so. If you wonder how this applies and why I would think that maybe it could go outside of that sector, in 1972, Richard Nixon took the United States off the gold standard. And so I was born in 75, three years later, and I remember even well into the 80s that every once in a while you would get change and you would get a coin that was actually made of real silver. Uh, and so there was this period of time where the money was a mix of the two. Some coins had real silver and some coins were totally fake. Uh, and, and you could kind of, you pretty much could tell the difference by looking at them. And I remember that the adults would tell me when I would get one of these, oh, you're going to want to save that. And I remember thinking at the time, then how come you aren't saving them? <laughs> and so I, it, it was peculiar to me, but I would save them because I did what I was told. So I saved these coins. And the really interesting trick about Gresham's Law is that if you saved a silver dollar from back then, that silver dollar, which was worth a dollar, today would be worth almost $30. And if you had um, a dollar's worth of gold, or if you had an ounce of gold in a coin, today that one ounce coin would be worth nearly $2,000. Um, and so it gives you the impression that gold and silver are gaining value and that the currency is maintaining its value. And that's the illusion you're supposed to see, but that's not really what's happening. What's really happening is that the dollar's purchasing power is going down, and the gold and silver are simply retaining their purchasing power. And so that's why the value of the gold and the silver goes up, is it's an optical illusion. They're not actually gaining any value. Gold is worth what gold is worth. It hasn't changed. It's just that it takes more dollars to buy that same amount of gold because the dollar has lost its purchasing power, has lost its value. And so what you see is that when fake money enters the system, you get massive inflation and a loss of value. And so it was that basic concept that got me started thinking, I wonder if this is applicable outside of finance. And so I did a little research, a little looking, didn't take me long to figure out that the answer was resoundingly yes. It's very much applied outside the financial sector. In fact, Gresham's law has become a very important feature of systems theory. And so um, it's, it's from Gresham's law that they get such things as, for example, the Peter Principle. Have you ever heard of the Peter Principle? That's the idea that you'll be promoted one level above your competence and no further. Um, some people think it's sarcastic, but it's not meant to be sarcastic. It's actually meant to be accurate. Um, try to think of other ones. It's the fact that um, bad news travels faster than good news. That's part of Gresham's law. And so when you see it in this, in this context, uh, it really got me, got me thinking like, so what does this really mean for us? And so one of the statements inside of systems theory was that as information increases, knowledge decreases. And that very much got my attention because that told me that way back when, when there was the explosion of the internet 
and we all went from not using the internet to starting to use the internet and people thought oh the solution is we just need more information at our fingertips people will be so much smarter if they just have more information and yet without any doubt the Gresham's law which was actually devised in the mid 1800s had already predicted that that would not happen it actually had already predicted that the opposite would happen that the more we have information the more easily and readily available it is at our fingertips the more knowledge decreases and that certainly seems to be the case and so uh, in trying to, to figure out a good application for this I, I started looking more into the systems theory idea I wanted to see more how it worked and so what I found was there's not very many there's only been like five research studies on Gresham's law and I think only three of them had any experimentation involved but there was one study that was really really good and what they were trying to do was come up with a universally applicable law uh, ver or version of Gresham's law to say, state it a little bit differently uh, that would um, that would basically sum it up and could be used across platforms so that you didn't have to state it differently because clearly if you're talking about fake money entering the system that doesn't tell you much about knowledge and information so they wanted to take those concepts and come up with one universal law that could be stated simply and would project all those same things and so it was it was actually a really long study that I was reading through as they were talking about systems theory and how systems work and just a whole lot of stuff that was pretty overwhelming but then they got to this one part and this was the part that to me blew my mind and, and really changed how I thought about things they said that to state it fully fake money enters the system and drives out good money when the people fail to see the utility in the difference which that might seem a little confusing so here's basically how it goes if I have in my hand a fake coin and I have in my hand a real coin with precious metal but in both instances they're worth a dollar and in both instances they have the same purchasing power then as a average Joe person I don't actually care which one I have because I could because the utility is the same and so if there's no difference in the utility I don't care if it's real or fake because the fake's going to be treated like the real and the real is going to be treated like the fake and it all just washes out and to me that was the concept that really got my attention was realizing that it's in this perception of utility because the more I thought about that utility aspect the more I started to understand some of the dynamics of what happens in chiropractic and what happens with our patients and that's where I think that this can be super useful to us and so as we're trying to to think about these things Gresham's law is not just a a concept or some kind of construct it's called a law because it really is true that there's this it's almost like an entropy sort of sort of deal and so it's an entropy of money it's an entropy of information uh, it's an entropy of knowledge that we are going from more knowledge to less knowledge unless we do something to keep it up and one of the other things about Gresham's law that I was very much keen on trying to figure out was the idea of okay so let's use money again once fake money enters the system and the real money goes into hiding is there a way to reverse this how do you bring the real money back into the system and drive out the fake money and for all intents and purposes the conclusion has been that you cannot
it doesn't work. At that point, you then have to blow up the system and start a new system based on actual value. And that will only happen if the people see the value in doing so. If the people are perfectly content to use fake money and they see no reason to have real money, then there's really no solution to this problem. And so then some people will be wise and they will store away precious metals, which will retain their value as inflation drives prices up and makes the value less, makes the, sorry, makes the money less valuable uh, and decreases purchasing power. So some people will do that, but the vast majority of people will not do that. The vast majority of people will say, whatever's called a dollar, I'll use it to buy a dollar's worth of goods. And they don't really care what it is. They don't care what it's made of. And um, personally, I don't even carry coins anymore. Uh, on the rare occasion I actually get changed, I almost always give it to my kids because I don't want to carry coins until they put I put it in their piggy bank or they put it in their piggy bank. And I don't carry them, which is way different from when I was a kid. When I was a kid, coins were actually useful and worth something. And so I was happy to gather coins. In fact, at one point, we had a giant glass jar, like one of those five gallon, it's like one of those five gallon water bottle things that you use for a water dispenser. And we had a glass one. And we just started putting coins in it. And from the time I was little, we, I think originally my mom had it like as a terrarium. And then eventually we dumped out the dirt, we cleaned it out, and we started sticking coins in it. And so we all, my brothers and I and my parents, anybody who had changed they didn't want, they just stuck it in this thing. And we kept doing that. And after years, probably 10 or 15 years, that jar was full. So I remember that um, my mom and one of my brothers decided to empty it out and cash in the money and see what it was worth. And it was actually quite impressive how much money was hidden away in that jar. But the funny thing is, I will be willing to bet you because of how long ago we started doing it, that in that jar were some coins that contained actual silver and there were some coins that were made of aluminum and other worthless metals. And we drew, we drew no distinction between the two, but neither did the bank. The bank actually didn't even care what we gave them they would count it all the same. And it's a very strange principle to realize that that's happening. And so I think that this is a very important thing to think about because if we take it from the money side, now let's take it to the information side. And I think that this, right, <laughs> you're probably wondering how is this relevant to me? And right now you're probably thinking it's not, but I promise you there's a deep relevance here when it comes to your patients and communicating with patients and what you should expect to see in the future. So let's take it from the one side and let's move it over to the information side and let's talk about that for a moment. Okay, so let's take this idea and let's move it to the information knowledge side. Uh, here's a very, very simple example. A patient, one of your patient, watches a video on the Y-strap, for example. And they come in to see you and they say, hey, how come you don't do the Y-strap? So you then explain to them for the 15th time why that's not what you do, that's not biomechanically correct, it's not taught in any schools, here's why it's bad, and you go through the whole thing. And the patient just kind of looks at you and goes, yeah, but do you think it would help me? And you're thinking to yourself, how does this person not get this? Well, Gresham's Law explains that exact scenario because it only works if they can understand the utility difference in the two. And so you're gonna find that that scenario is far more likely with a patient 
if you haven't had a profound difference in symptoms yet, if they can see and feel that what you're doing is profoundly different, they're less likely to fall into that scenario. But when you have a case where you're struggling a little bit and maybe you're not getting the results you thought you would get, you're two to three visits in, you've made some small changes but not a lot, you're far more likely to get that scenario happening because that patient is thinking to themselves, well, one might be real and one might be fake, but the utility is no different. I don't see any difference in the utility. So let's just do all of it. Let's use all the money, both the real and the fake. And that's how they're perceiving it. Uh, so another scenario would be that um, a patient comes in and, and tells you that they've already seen two, three, four other chiropractors. So how is what you're going to do any different than that? So you say, okay. So then you, ex you explain to them how a subluxation is the disc and not the facet. You show them an x-ray so they visually see what's going on. You scope them, you palpate them, you show them how one segment is super tender and the adjacent segment is not. So they're convinced this whole thing. You do all of those steps, and, but the patient still does not see a difference in utility between you and the other and the other doctors. In fact, if you remember the episode I did with my patient, Linda, she talked about how when somebody told her to come see me, that was exactly her response. And she said, well, I've already seen three chiropractors. How is this going to be any different? And they tried to tell her how it would be different, and she still didn't get it. That's not, that's not her. That is nature. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, is it's not the people. It's not their intelligence level. It's not their background. It's not where they come from. It's not any of those things. This is a natural law taking place, and the only smart thing for us to do is to understand the law and to harness its power to our benefit. And so, if we're going to make a difference in this Gresham's Law thing, what blew my mind was realizing that we, the only chance we have is that we're going to have to get the people to see a difference in utility. Meaning, we have to get better results we have to get them fast, we have to get them now, and it's not good enough to just say, well, the other chiropractor got them 10% better, and I got them 20% better, so they should come see me. That's not enough. It's gotta be dramatic. It's gotta be to the point where people can realize that there is a, f a true and a real, and there is a fake and a false, and that they do not have the same utility, uh, that we do not live in an economy where they're gonna get the same results, because I know when I went to school, that's what I was told, that it did not matter what technique you did, you'll get the same results with any technique. All techniques get results. And I don't think that that's actually true. It's not really even logical, um, but that's what's believed. And so as long as that's believed, you can only break free if you can demonstrate something different than that. And so the utility of real chiropractic is what's going to make it stand out against all the fake things. Because I'm sure if anybody gets upset about some of these things you find on YouTube, I would predict that in the future you're going to see things that are much worse. Uh, that would just be my natural inclination because if you think about how uh, in, in media, uh, in the news, they say that once, once false news, once fake news enters the system, the real news goes into hiding. Well, isn't that the case? I can find all kinds of lies with ease. But if I want to find the truth of what happened, I'm going to be searching for a while and I may not ever find it because it goes into that much hiding. And so that's basically the natural flow of these things and, and where they go. So 
it's a struggle that we don't really want to have, but we have it whether we like it or not. And so it's going to be um, demonstrating utility of the patients and getting them to see the difference. And there's going to be pushback. I think that's the other big thing is there's going to be people who just won't see it. They don't want to see it. Uh, they refuse to see it. Uh, there's, there's the weird scenario where, actually I had this happen not that long ago, where somebody, they got surgery for a problem and the surgery didn't help. And they went to physical therapy for the problem and physical therapy didn't help. And then when I fixed the problem, the physical therapist and the surgeon said that they shouldn't come back. And the person actually thought, well, maybe that was true, that maybe they were right. And you go, well, how does this happen? Exact same thing. Um, people, people for some reason find the fake more believable than the real. And so um, the one good thing, and I find this to, I think this is a, an easy way to explain this. My wife has said this for years. She would ask people, have you ever seen a fake $3 bill? And they would say, no, of course, they've never seen a fake $3 bill. And she said, she said, that's right, because there's no such thing as a real $3 bill. But is there a fake $20 bill? Well, of course there is, because there's a real $20 bill. So one thing about the fake is that when you see the fake, that tells you that there's evidence, or that is your evidence, that there is real and there's genuine. You just have to go find it. And I think that that is a good overarching principle for many, many things. That could be, that analogy can be used in many ways that I kind of use that as a general principle that when I'm searching for something and I can't find it, but I can see counterfeit, I know that whatever's being counterfeit, there's a genuine real version of that because nobody's gonna bother to counterfeit something that's fake. Nobody counterfeits something that's false. And so in chiropractic, there is a lot of counterfeit. Uh, and I, like I predicted, I predict it's gonna get worse. I think you're gonna see things much worse. I think that things are going to drift even further away from what's being taught in the schools. Uh, and I don't, I don't blame the schools at all. Uh, my perspective is I know that when I was teaching at Life shortly after COVID, we had students that had taken classes, adjusting classes and palpation classes off campus. And that was nobody's fault. It wasn't the school's fault. It wasn't the student's fault. It just was the situation of what was. That's what it is. But that also hurts your learning curve because we all know that at the end of our education, most of us weren't any good. Well, take away half of your experiences trying to learn and you're even worse <laughs> than you were in reality. So what's gonna happen is there's gonna be people who are desperate to make a living, have not learned the actual skills and are gonna start making up stuff. And I have no doubt it'll so show up on social media. So that's just my personal prediction and I very much hope that I'm wrong, but that's what I see is that um, is that some of the stuff like Y-strap, that's just the beginning. Because anybody with a basic understanding of anatomy and anyone with a basic understanding of physiology should know better than to pull someone's neck. And basically what you're doing is simulating a horizontal hanging. And if hanging vertically will kill you, I don't see how hanging a person horizontally is gonna be suddenly beneficial because it's essentially what it is. So where do these things come from? They come from this degradation, which is a part of Gresham's Law. And so I, I want to conclude by telling you the reason I bring this up and the reason I'm talking about this in this episode is because the next episode that I do um, is on a topic, it's, it's its own subject. But you're going to see in that episode this application 
of Gresham's Law. And when I realized that, I thought, I need to talk about the thoughts behind Gresham's Law and this, how good information disappears and is replaced by bad information, how the bad information drives up the good information. Because you're going to see it happening, and it's an, it's an over, it's, you're going to see it in a lot of different areas. And so uh, you just need to know that it's not, it's not some goofy thing, it's not an illusion. It really is an actual principle that very much is used in systems theory to describe many of the processes that we see happen. So uh, just something to think about, also something to think about when communicating with your patients, that like the scenarios that I gave you, those things are going to happen. It's not the patient's fault. Don't blame them. Recognize when that happens that in some way you need to demonstrate to them that there is a utility difference between the real and the fake. And if you can do that, you'll win that patient over and you'll, and you'll put them on another plane of understanding. And that's how we have to do it, one patient at a time, demonstrating to them that there's a utility difference between what's real and what's fake. Hey, I just want to take a quick second to let you know that we just posted our first video to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's the video of the episode, latest episode that we did with Dr. Ian. So if you want to see the video version of that, you can head over to YouTube, look up the 1505 Club, and you should be able to find the video with Dr. Ian that you can watch at your leisure. Uh, my purpose in the YouTube channel is to be something a little bit different, but my purpose in it is to try to use it as a platform for demonstrating the utility difference between real chiropractic and fake chiropractic. And so that's a big audacious goal and it's gonna be a challenge, but I realize that for some people, it, figuring out how to do that is gonna be difficult uh, and you may not even have the time to put it together anyway. So I wanted to use the channel that way that you could always just send people there and they could watch videos and hopefully we'll slowly step-by-step step, demonstrate to them that there is a utility difference between what's real and what's fake uh, and why they should choose the real every chance they get. So um, head on over there and check out the YouTube channel. Thanks so much.